Welcome to For Real, a bi-weekly nonfiction books podcast that puts the spotlight on books that tell it like it is, or try to. We'll cover new releases, backlist finds, and more. For Real is a Book Riot podcast and is hosted by me, Kim Ukra, and fellow rioter Alice Burton. We're recording this week's episode on Friday, December 16th. Hello, Alice. How are you today? Um, I've been better. However, I would say <laughs> let's do a final soldiering on. How are you? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. I'm also okay. I've been sick this week. And so everything's just a little, a little, uh, yeah, just, just tough being sick. Uh, and also some like a little bit of sad news, I think for us, um, listeners, as you may have inferred from the episode title, uh, this is going to be our last episode of the For Real podcast. Book Riot has decided to uh, wrap up the podcast at the end of this year for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I think one of the bigger ones was that Alice had planned to leave the podcast uh, early in 2023. And so um, we were potentially looking for a new co-host. Um, so Alice, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so we, we've we been doing the podcast for almost five years, which yeah, it's just a long time for anything. And I think the thing that has, mm-hmm. normally I stick with projects for like a year, <laughs> maybe, maybe two if I'm like <laughs> really into it. Um, but the thing that's really kept me with this is, you know, getting to chat with Kim every two weeks, uh, which is just has been a, a real delight in the last, I guess we're at like four and a half years, technically. But yeah, it's, it just feels like it's time. Like we, you know, started this in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just I'm like, yeah, it's like time to like check out new projects and stuff. But it, it was not an easy decision. And I definitely agonized over it for a long time. And and I'm sad that that the podcast is ending. But also like, you know, I don't want you to do this with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I also would have had a hard time transitioning to doing it with someone else. Um, as if you are a person who listens to other Book Riot podcasts or reads other Book Riot newsletters and stuff, it's been a, a conversation this year among many of the uh, editors and contributors about burnout and about the challenges of like producing content, uh, high quality content on a weekly basis through everything that's been going on over the last several years. So I think that is you know part of the decision. And I know I'm I know I'm di- I'm disappointed because I have really enjoyed doing the podcast, but like we said, I think it would be hard to do this with anyone else because it's been our baby for as long as it's been around, um, and so I think that would be a real change. I know that it was a hard decision, but I think it was made with uh, a lot of thought and intention. So I respect that, and I think that that is good. And I, I am also a little bit excited. I have been a person who shares thoughts about books on the internet since 2008, which uh, first on a blog and then writing for Book Riot and then with a newsletter and then with the podcast. And uh, it's just, it's been a really long time. And I'm excited about the idea of not doing that for a little while just to see what it is like, you know, like, does my reading change when there's not this sort of background feeling of like, who am I going to share this with? So I think that's going to be kind of an interesting change and interesting opportunity before like jumping into potential new and different projects. So a little bit bittersweet for sure. But um, I think we have a really fun last episode planned. So I'm excited to get into that. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And we did when you when you referred to the podcast as our baby, I was like, that's true. We pitched it. <laughs> we created like yeah. a logo that did not go anywhere, but we tried. Uh, we came up with the title <laughs> together, like all this stuff that was just yeah. like very much, hey, we need nonfiction uh, to also be talked about in like mm-hmm. some kind of a, a beloved way, which I think we can yeah. do. Real quick, let's just take a pause and talk about tailored book recommendations. So it's the holiday season. If you are scrambling for some kind of a last minute gift, I have an idea for you, which is uh, Book Riot has a tailored book recommendations, which is where you reach out to Book Riot's bibliologists and tell them about what books either you or someone you know uh, loves, doesn't love, what uh, your reading goals are or just like a a gap that you would like filled in your reading life. And the bibliologists will select books. There are plans for every budget. Uh, You can gift a quarter or a whole year. And then you can either get recommendations only via email or get hardcovers in the mail. And recommendations via email is available worldwide. So uh, to check out more about this, visit mytbr.co slash gift. That is mytbr.co slash gift. 
And I will say I did this for my mom for Christmas last year, and she really liked it. So it's a great present for uh, a reader of any age or any interest. So for our plan for this episode is first we're going to talk about our favorite reads of 2022 because that's normally how we wrap up the year. Um, and I am excited to talk about some of the books that we've talked about on the podcast, some that we haven't. Uh, and then we're going to do kind of a reflection on some of our favorite past podcast episodes. Uh, so before we get into our favorite reads, like how generally has your reading been in 2022? It's been really good. I've been feeling very escapist and I've been doing that by reading, like sort of indulging that by reading, which I've been told by by at least one therapist, is okay. So uh, I'm just leaning <laughs> into that. But yeah. yeah, I think the last total I saw, I think I've read 104 or 105 books. I don't know how many are nonfiction, but I do know that the vast majority of nonfiction I've read has been via audiobook, which is a new thing this year for me. Yeah, that is really – I have, it's been interesting hearing about your audiobook journey and like getting into that format more – I'm jealous when you said 104 because for whatever reason, like 100 books always feels like sort of like a goal for me. But then when I do read 100 books, it always feels like too much. So I don't I don't know why. Like I still aspire to that. It's just like such a nice round number, I think. <laughs> but so far, I have read 86 books this year, uh, which is more than last year. So that's good. I feel like my reading is starting to rebound a little bit after some tough years. Interestingly, at this point, it's about 65% fiction and 35% nonfiction, um, which is a shift from like pre-pandemic, I read more nonfiction than fiction. So I think reading has also become more escapist for me, but not in the same way that it is escapist for you, right? Like we escape into different things. <laughs> well, I have been doing a lot of sci-fi fantasy in the last couple of years. Oh. Well, that's interesting. We'll have to talk about that uh, not on a nonfiction <laughs> podcast. So the other thing that's been interesting this year is that I've read a lot of books that I own. Well, it's kind of a half mix between books that I owned prior to 2022 and then the books I bought in 2022 and read. So that's been kind of satisfying to just know that I'm like reading books that I spent money on rather than other sources that I have previously used. Um, and also largely books by women, uh, which is also kind of interesting to me. Woo! So, yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's been a generally good reading year, and I'm excited to um, talk more about our favorites. Yeah, no, that's that's very exciting. This year was definitely like the year of like reading dad books for me, and <laughs> uh, shamefully, uh, just a lot of white dudes doing things. So I I have I've tried to counterbalance that by also reading a lot of books by like BIPOC authors, but uh, it has been yeah I've I've felt bad, but. <laughs> It was just so many, like, middle-class dad books. Anyway, uh, let's take a moment and hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Elena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. College student Blake and her girlfriend have one goal, join the exclusive sorority that promises connections to a network of trailblazing women of color. Now, Ella's acceptance is a sure thing. She's a daughter of a Serena Society alum. After all, Blake, on the other hand, lacks Ella's pedigree and her confidence. Luckily, though really unluckily, she finds courage at the bottom of a liquor bottle. 
When she drinks, she's bold and funny, and as pledging intensifies, so does Blake's drinking. Ella assures her that she's fine, partying hard is what it takes, but with her future on the line, Blake must decide how far she's willing to go to achieve glittering dreams of success. Now, just so you know, Jazz Hammonds is the 2023 winner of the Credit Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for We Deserve Monuments, and We Deserve Monuments was an Amazon Best Books of the Year and Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year for 2023, so suffice to say, y'all should check this new one out. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. All right. So as we talk about our favorite books of 2022, um, we're talking about books that are published at any time, not specifically books published only in 2022. So these are kind of a range of older and newer titles, I think. Mine are anyway. So my first uh, favorite of the year is I I think the first nonfiction book I read of the year, uh, which is How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy by Jenny O'Dell. Uh, And this book is a sort of self-help, sort of social activism book all about why Uh, Maintaining control over our attention is the most important thing that we can do to be good humans in the world, I think. So she writes about how, like, attention is the, like, sort of the biggest commodity, attention and time, right? And so she argues that controlling our attention, controlling the things that we pay attention to, bringing our attention to the real world, to nature, to kind of the important things, we should be doing that instead of kind of letting our attention be diverted in other ways. Um, And I just... I just found this one like a very good setting stage of the year of really thinking about like what is most important to me, like what matters and where should I be putting my energy and focus and what are the things that sort of grab my attention but don't reinvigorate me or don't add to my energy in some way and how can I figure that out? And so this book really helped kind of set that frame. Uh, So that's How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell. Um, I definitely have been meaning to read this for a few years. It came out in 2019, but I was just Mm -hmm. looking it up again and she has a new book coming out next year (gasps) in 2023 called Saving Time, Discovering a Life Beyond the Clock. Well, I got to write that down now. (laughs) It's very exciting. Uh, My first sort of favorite read of 2022 was A Most Remarkable Creature by Jonathan Myberg. This is about the Caracara. It is a bird of prey that is unusually very social. Uh, Usually birds of prey are, uh, I guess, like notoriously solitary. And the Caracara, it's really smart. It's really curious. They do problem solving. They work together. They're just so fascinating. And he journeys to all these spots in North and South America to see the various types of Caracaras. And it's just like, oh, sorry. I'm just like, I was... (laughs) I just love these birds and I think they're so beautiful. (laughs) But I mean, I should also say one of my favorite birds is like a turkey vulture. (laughs) I think those are so awesome with their like huge wingspans. But uh, the Caracara, they're just, they genuinely want to like interact and will do things like they will do like tricks, quote unquote, even when they're full, which is also like (laughs) weird behavior. And you can learn all about them. And then also about the history of like animals on the different uh, when the continent shifts happened and how they like evolved separately and how like North and South America met up relatively recently. And then the animals like adapted. And so that's like the characters were there. Camels came from North America, which is so weird. And then they like went over into Asia. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so much information. So yeah, the most remarkable creature by Jonathan Myberg. I, I really loved it. That is delightful. I books about nature have been a, a delight this year, you know, especially like just in the context of a challenging world, like books about nature are always really like just make me happy, you know? Yeah. He also talks about how we can save various kinds of characters. Ah, see? Yeah. Excellent. Actually, so speaking of nature books, my next pick is also a nature book, uh, World of Wonders and Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments by Amy Nizuka Matato. Uh, And so this is a really tiny little book of essays about uh, nature and place. So the author, she grew up in a lot of different areas of the country when she was a kid. And so each of these essays is sort of about nature in those various places, um, the connections that she made with her parents, with her sister, with her husband, with her children. And they're just, she's a poet. And so like every essay is just 
perfect. Like every word is perfect. The emotion that she's evoking in each one is perfect. The animal she's writing about, she writes about them with just like such care and tenderness. And the essays are really like tiny, but there's one that is about an octopus that made me cry when I read it. It's just, it's so beautiful and so soothing and so nice. <laughs> I just really loved it. So uh, that's World of Wonders by Amy Nizuka Matato. I think I've before mentioned when you've talked about this that the, w- the when I started this one time and then I got distracted as I so often do, she starts out talking about a beloved catalpa tree and how there are catalpas outside my apartment window and I love them mm. so much. And so I was immediately like, oh yeah, we're on the same page. <laughs> Um, my next pick, I really, really liked and I think was um, not only because I live in Chicago, but just did not know. The book is Ghosts in the Schoolyard, Racism and School Closings on Chicago's South Side by Eve L. Ewing. So I had gone on a bus tour done by a black South Side, like Chicago historian who got famous on TikTok. And I'm going to find his name. But basically, he was talking about Bronzeville and how amazing and historic it was. And all of these schools had been closed. And so one reason, oh, it's Sherman Dilla Thomas. So one of the reasons that they were closed has to do with charter schools and then busing like to other districts and like taking kids out of their neighborhoods. And this book then, Ghosts in the Schoolyard, talks about all of these schools being closed and how it was, it's like very political and like the reasons that are given for their closing, they don't really make sense with how the school was performing and how the children were doing, etc. So it was a really good background for um, having gone on this tour, but also Eva Ewing is just, she's a poet and she also really did a lot of research for this book. She cares about Chicago and, and the South Side so much and that really shows in this. So I, I really liked it. So Ghost in the Schoolyard. Racism and School Closings on Chicago's South Side by Eve L. Ewing. Yeah, that one sounds really interesting. And like, there's a, a bunch of books in the last, I don't know, like several years, probably longer than that, about um, just the way that like gentrification and migration of uh, African-American and Black families from the South into Northern cities and then the spreading of suburbs and stuff have affected schools. And so I think that that's a really, like, it's an important topic to think about, right? Um, and so I'm glad that this one uh, made your list and, and was was a good one. It was really good. <laughs> so my next pick is an audiobook, uh, How to Be Perfect, The Correct Answer to Every Moral Question by Michael Schur, which uh, might be my favorite audiobook of the year. Um, it's pretty close. Um, so Michael Schur is a TV uh, producer and creator. He um, worked on The Office, and then he helped create or co-create Parks and Recreation. And then his latest show was The Good Place, which uh, is ostensibly about like characters who go to heaven or The Good Place and like learn about trying to be good people. And so uh, moral philosophy is sort of like at the center of that show. And so this book is about him kind of outlining all of the different moral philosophy areas that he looked into and learned about for the show and then helping like going through them and talking about how do we make good decisions and be good people based on what we know from these moral philosophy professors and thinkers. Uh, And I don't know, maybe that sounds boring, but I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Like he is, has got great examples. He really builds on each of the theories as he he goes and it gets more and more complicated. And I think he's writes about sort of his own struggles to like be a good person in the world. Uh, and it's very thoughtful and empathetic about how hard it is to be a good person uh, and how many complicated choices we're all faced with. And then the audiobook is a delight because he reads it and then members of the cast of The Good Place uh, also come in and read parts of it. So if you're a fan of the show, it's kind of a nice like bookend to that series and having those actors come in and read parts of it. Um, so I just, I really loved this one. I thought it was so interesting and funny and um, thoughtful uh, for a time when we're all trying to like think about being good people in the world. So How to Be Perfect by Michael Scher. Yeah, I'm still like, I think I'm like halfway or two thirds through the audiobook, which is really good. I was just looking at the chapter titles and they're like, should I lie and tell my friend I like her ugly shirt, which they do explore on The Good Place via yeah. Chidi talking about his friend's boots that he mm-hmm. thought were hideous. Mm-hmm. But then uh, I think one of the more recent ones 
was uh, I just did something unselfish, but what's in it for me? And <laughs> yes, I bumped into your car, but do you even care about Hurricane Katrina? It's like there's <laughs> he does a lot of sort of I think things that people either do or have thought. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's very relatable while it's occasionally you gotta like stretch yourself a little bit, but I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Switching gears as always. My next pick is The Line Becomes a River, Dispatches from the Border by Francisco Cantu. Um, I've talked about this on here before because it's really good. Cantu does a really good job of just talking about the situation at the border through his very, I think, unique lens, just in terms of you don't see it very often. I mean, that's like a rare lens. But he worked as a uh, uh, on the border patrol between the United States and Mexico. And, you know, was like apprehending people in the desert. And then he quit uh, partially just because he was having nightmares and, you know, just was not enjoying the work. And then he in the second half of the book is a friend of his gets deported after going back home to Mexico and then coming back to join his family. And so really experiencing both sides of it and expressing a lot of empathy, having you get to know people kind of in both situations. And it's just, uh, I did this one on audiobook too, which I'm pretty sure that Kantu narrates it. And he just seems really nice and like really, <laughs> uh, speaking of the moral philosophy thing, he just seems really well-intentioned and like trying to do the right thing and like come to mm-hmm. that, you know, like after having done something that he was like, I'm not proud of this. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really liked it. So The Line Becomes a River uh, by Francisco Cantu. Yeah, I read that one the year it came out and I agree it's really good. He's a very empathetic writer, so he brings a lot of empathy to everybody that he is uh, interacting with. And I think that's really important too for un- – a topic that's so can be so divisive, um, even though maybe it shouldn't be. So I think I appreciate that too. Um, my next pick is a 2022 book, uh, Ancestor Trouble, A Reckoning and a Reconciliation by Maud Newton. Uh, and so this is a book that um, mashes together um, Maud Newton's very juicy and colorful family history with a look at contemporary genealogy practices, basically. So she's writing about her personal quest to sort of like uncover her family tree. Um, it turns out there's a lot of just very question there's questionable people there's people who had very complicated lives there's mental illness there's people related to the Salem witch trials I think like just just a ton of different stuff in her family so she writes about that and then she also looks at sort of different practices around genealogy so and then like uh, genetics and uh, genetic genealogy and um, inherited trauma and like some of stuff about that Um, so it's a very wide-ranging book I remember when I read it I thought it was like just just a hair longer than I wanted it to be. But it was the part up until the point where I was like, okay, I feel like I, I've gotten everything I want out of this book was really, really good. Um, and I think I, I just I just love the way that she used her family history as sort of a, a plot to move some of this other stuff forward and, and tell these really interesting stories. So Ancestor Trouble by Maude Newton. That is on my list for 2023. I'm going to do it on audiobook, I think, because I know the library has it. And yeah. it looks like it's been available. I feel like this one is a little under the radar. I do too. I feel like I saw it a lot when it first came out, but then I haven't really seen a lot of it since. So I wonder if it sort of didn't didn't break through in the way that people thought it might. Oh, yeah. But I think it would be interesting on audio. I think if I'm remembering correctly, the chapters are sort of very self-contained. So like they build on each other, but it feels episodic, I think, maybe. And so like in a pot or in a uh, audiobook, I might feel kind of podcasty, which I think could be kind of nice. Nice indeed. Uh, no, I'm looking forward to that. My next uh, favorite read of 2022 is Looking for the Good War American Amnesia and the Violent Pursuit of Happiness by Elizabeth D. Samet. Uh, the cover for this is fantastic. It's what made me pick it up. And so, you know, don't underestimate the cover. <laughs> Uh, I also, again, kind of going with my my dad books for this year, I was doing a lot of Civil War, a lot of World War II. The difference here is this is much more about nostalgia, um, how we remember World War II versus uh, what the United States was actually like and how it reacted to it at the time. And um, Elizabeth D. Samet does that by looking at um, not only, you know, like newspaper records, etc., but 
also popular media and books and movies. And um, because of that, I read In a Lonely Place by Dorothy B. Hughes, which came out like 1947. It's about like a veteran who's like a serial killer. And it's so good. I loved that novel. Um, so that was also like a fun offshoot as she points you to a bunch of, of other things you can like absorb. But this book just really blew my mind in terms of how people remember World War II versus, again, like the truth, like the fact that the United States wasn't that united, that people were very grumpy about having mm -hmm. to be on rations and were not really always like understanding the point of the war. Like it wasn't this clear, you know, like we had to like defeat the Nazis kind of thing at the time. Mm -hmm. It was that's only more in retrospect. And just in terms of changing one sort of like outlook on something. And uh, I thought that was it was so good. So uh, looking for the good war, American Amnesia and the Violent Pursuit of Happiness by Elizabeth D. Samet. That is a that is an excellent subtitle. I would just like to point out like the violent pursuit of happiness is so evocative. Oh, that's true. And like the alliteration of American amnesia, like that's that's just a very good, well constructed subtitle. <laughs> I wonder if she did it or her like her editor. Whoever whoever did, great job. Yeah, great job. Thumbs up. So my next pick is, uh, this is definitely my favorite book of the year, uh, Invisible Child, Poverty, Survival, and Hope in an American City by Andrea Elliott. Uh, this was the 2022 general nonfiction Pulitzer Prize winner, so that's why I picked it up. And it is, Andrea Elliott is a reporter for uh, the New York Times, and the book is an eight-year investigation following a young girl in New York City named Dasani, who uh, Elliott came into contact with because she, started, she wanted to do a story about children in who are homeless in New York City and who are sort of in the shelter system. Uh, and so she meets Dasani and her family and then basically follows them for eight years to do this story about Dasani um, going from a, a young girl up to uh, being a high school graduate. Uh, and it is just, it is impeccable. It is it is perfect, I think. The reporting is so detailed and so thoughtful. Um, the access she got to Dasani's family is really incredible. The way that she writes about them very honestly and very um, frankly, but still brings a lot of empathy to their struggles and their decisions and sort of the situations they find themselves in was really lovely. Her look at how institutions both like fail people and help them, but also like fail them while trying to help them and how how little it takes to go from like in crisis to being safe and but how institutions just like cannot like cannot do it. It just it was infuriating, but also like the narrative is really strong. I just I, I just loved it. It was so good. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, Invisible Child by Andrea Elliott. I really love hearing you talk about how much you loved it. That's just so nice. Oh, Kim, I'm going to miss that. Oh, shoot. You'll just have to send me like voice memos being like, Alice, oh I loved this book. And here's why. I love that idea. And I'm going to do that for sure. Yes. Um, okay. My next book is The Lost City of Z, A Tale of Deadly Obsession in the Amazon by David Gran. This was one of those like very popular nonfiction mm -hmm. works. They made a movie out of it. Uh, it came out a while ago, so I'm getting to it a little late. But uh, again, because of my year of dad books, this was all very like, oh, it's like about a explorer who goes into the Amazon. And uh, <laughs> after this, I also read The Lost City of the Monkey God, because it seems like the publishers were trying to pair those, you know, kind of thematically. Mm -hmm. But Monkey God is much more about today. And Lost City of Z, I think I prefer just because it's very focused on the story of uh, British explorer Percy Fawcett, uh, who disappeared in, with his son in the Amazon in 1925 while looking for, you know, the lost city of Z. And his whole story is really fascinating. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I really loved that. Lost City of Z by David Grant. Yeah, that's a really good one. I, I read that one a, a long time ago. And it's a it's a good read, especially if you just want like a an adventure story. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. Um, so the next book I want to talk about is an Obama administration memoir uh, because I love those and I always will, I think. The World As It Is, a memoir of the Obama White House by Ben Rhodes. Ben Rhodes was a foreign policy speechwriter for Obama. So he is the person who drafted many of his most famous uh, international or foreign policy related speeches. Um, so this book kind of follows Ben's um, experience with Obama, like before his campaign and during the campaign, and then all the way to like his very last day in the White House. I listened to this one on audiobook. It is not narrated by the author, but the narrator was really good. 
And it just, um, I like this one because I like Obama administration memoirs, but I liked it, this one particularly, because like, I think we sort of forget, like, I, I don't think a lot about foreign policy. Like, that's just not sort of a, a an area of the world that I pay a ton of attention to. And so it was really interesting to sort of track a lot of the stuff I remember about those eight years with what was happening um, around the world that I, I I didn't remember or, like, wasn't super aware of. And, of course, because he's a speechwriter, he's a really good writer. And um, so he just has a lot of, like, interesting anecdotes and um, ways of, of talking about the world. So I thought this one was very good. The World As It Is by Ben Rhodes. Have you read every Obama administration? No. Mem- really? I don't think so, no. Wow. I, I should go back and look, though, because I, I read a lot of them. That's going to be so sad when you finish them. I know, right? There'll be no more. (laughs) What a day that will be. Maybe people will somehow keep writing them. I hope so. That would be great. (laughs) Or we'll get another presidential administration that doesn't give me like intense anxiety. And then I can read memoirs about that one. Oh, there you go. One can always hope. Yeah. Okay. Um, My next one, I'm just going to touch on real quick because I just talked about it uh, maybe last episode. And it's Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant by Roz Chast, which is a memoir, like a graphic memoir about um, her being an only child, taking care of her aging parents, and then them passing away. She talks about her difficult relationship with her mother. This was, I read this really quick because it is, it's a, I mean, it's a quick read, but it is five out of five, 10 out of 10. I loved this book, not to oversell it, but it was, yeah, one of, I think it's like, I mean, my top five for the year. But yeah, can't we talk about something more pleasant by Roz Chast? Awesome. Uh, my next pick is one I've also talked about really recently, uh, In the Shadow of the Mountain, A Memoir of Courage by Sylvia Vasquez Lovato. Uh, this is a, a memoir by a woman who is writing about her attempts to scale Mount Everest. And so, but she's not just scaling Everest. She also, she does the first part of the hike from um, the city up to base camp with a group of uh, young female sexual assault survivors from across the globe. Uh, and then she decides to summit Everest. She summits Everest after that. And so it's a story about her childhood where she was also a victim of childhood sexual abuse, um, her uh, coming out later in life, her time as a Silicon Valley executive, her alcoholism, just a ton of different stuff that doesn't feel like it should work together in a memoir, but it totally does. Um, and I love that it brings a different perspective on um, mountain climbing memoirs. It's more about community and connection than it is about competition, which is something that I really liked about it. So In the Shadow of the Mountain by Sylvia Vasquez Lovato. Oh, that's really nice. I would never, ever climb Everest, but... No. Nope. The fact that some people can is... Is amazing. Is amazing. So yeah. My... Ooh, second to last pick is Team of Rivals, The Political Genius of Abraham Lincoln by Doris Kearns Goodwin. This uh, I read right near the start of the year. It was uh, launching me on my audiobook journey. It got me really into Abraham Lincoln so that, you know, now I have a cardboard cut out of him in my home. <laughs> Which, oh, it's because for my birthday, my wife made it Lincoln themed and she had him out there with like a party hat on. Oh, it was so Amazing. good. So now he just now he just stands in our home. But, oh gosh, so Team of Rivals, uh, the audiobook is like something like 36 hours, and it talks about Lincoln's cabinet, which he chose based on um, people who were running against him for the Republican nomination, which was just, just so, just magnanimous of him, and like, (laughs) he just wanted the best people for the job. What a great guy. But, I mean, not, but also, of course, complicated, not perfect. But... Uh, The one thing I will say about the book is it does very much paint Abraham Lincoln as a saint, which is part of the reason why I then went on to read a lot of other Lincoln books as I was like, I feel like I need a more rounded picture of him. Mm -hmm. But he definitely strove for compromise in many things, including some things he maybe shouldn't have compromised on. Mm -hmm. And you get these different biographies of the people in his cabinet, including, and Kim's going to be sick of hearing me talk about this, Salmon P. Chase, (laughs) who is just the worst. If you retain anything from our entire podcast history, just know (laughs) that Salmon P. Chase sucks. I, he's just like, okay, so like he wanted to be president. He was just like throwing people under the bus all the time, trying to undermine Lincoln despite the fact there's a war on. Later on during the impeachment of Andrew Johnson, he presided because trying to get him out of the cabinet, Lincoln made him Supreme Court justice. Like, And uh, he 
again, basically let Andrew Johnson off the hook because he wanted to be president and he wanted the Democrats on his side. Sam and P. Chase is the worst. So <laughs> so read, read the book and then you can hear more about details about why he sucked. Uh, but yeah, Team of Rivals, so good. I really love that, like, if you look back on 2022, like, that book is going to be sort of, like, your book of the year, you know, like, the one that, like, set off this whole other, like, sets of interests and stuff. I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, my last pick is another memoir, uh, Dog Flowers by Danielle Geller. Um, this is a memoir about a, a young Native American woman's coming of age, um, about her relationship with her estranged mother. Um, the thing I liked most about it is that she um, writes the book from her perspective, but then she brings in like citations and photos and evidence and stuff from this collection of diaries and memorabilia and letters that her mother had kept and that she uh, was able to take after her mother passed away. And so it's just a really um, interestingly constructed book, but also very powerful. Um, lots of like difficult subjects in it, of course, but I thought it was really beautifully done. So Dog Flowers by Danielle Geller. Uh, these book choices are all very us, and I'm <laughs> <laughs> <It's true. laughs> I'm like, so many of these sound so sad, Kim. Um, no, but they're, they're important reads, because, you know, life is not just happy. Anyway, mm-hmm. my last pick is Transmission, My Quest to a Beard by Alex Birdie. I think this is the first book I read this year. And Alex Birdie is a YouTube personality who, uh, in the book, he documents his transition and just sort of talks you through it if you are also, you know, going through this in your life and what uh, any questions like parents might have if they're kids are trans. And it's just he's, he's British and also his YouTube is fun because of his accent. But I just really liked it. It's a YA read, so it's really easy. It's a little bit guidebook-ish, but also tells his story. Uh, so yeah, that is Transmission, My Quest to a Beard by Alex Birdie. That is a great a book to wrap up on. Uh, so yes, that is our um, set of favorite nonfiction reads of 2022. I hope that there's something interesting in there for you to pick up because I think there's a lot of variety, which makes me really happy. Uh, and so now let us hear from our second sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients... But none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be. Right? Right, girl. Like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series. Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone, but you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done. Eh, she wasn't. Three years later, Anna is a starving artist living paycheck to paycheck while West is a Stanford professor. Now he is part of a conglomerate. His family owns this mega grocery store chain. He's not interested in working for them, but he is interested in those greenbacks, honey, that come in the form of a $100 million inheritance. To get it, he has to be married for five years. That's where our girl Anna comes back into play. So the two will fake a marriage, but as he gets to know her and gets to appreciate the feisty, foul mouth, paint splattered girl that she is, he'll begin to wonder if the money is worth the love of his life. Pick up The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren to find out if it is. And thanks again to Gallery Books for sponsoring this episode. 
All right. So we thought we would close out our final episode of the podcast by talking about some of our favorite episodes that we've recorded. Um, Our first episode was March 6, 2018, where we talked about International Women's Day. We have since recorded 125 episodes, which is just, it's so many. That's so many. (laughs) It's so many. Um, (laughs) I did not make any attempt to calculate like how many books we had talked about. Like that just seemed completely daunting to me. But I am excited to talk about some of our favorite episodes. So as I was like looking back at everything, what struck me was the ones that I – that were the most fun for me were the ones that were weird. Like, I think what's cool about nonfiction is that it is about real stuff in the world. And the world is so full of weird stuff. Like, just just anything you wanted to know about, there's a nonfiction book about it. And so it's really fun to, like, dive deep and pick out topics that are a little bit offbeat. So, for example, the first episode I think that we did that that I remember is episode 23 where we talked about the Arctic and the tropics. Because uh, I think it was, like, winter and um, – or maybe it was, like, very hot summer. I can't remember. And so we each picked a, a book that was something about the Arctic and then a book that was something about the tropics, which I just – I thought that was a funny, like, uh, a come together of topics. No, that's so fun. And there are so many options for those topics, too, that just mm. – Fantastic. Um, I'm going to backtrack 10 episodes to episode 13 because my first favorite was suffragists, suffragettes, and winning the vote because um, I was in the depths of my American suffragist (laughs) history-loving phase and – uh, getting to talk about that was just so fantastic. There are, especially because we had the 100th anniversary of women getting the vote, mm-hmm. We there are even more books out now than there used to be and about so many different areas of uh, suffrage in America. And uh, yeah, it's just great. So I was I was very psyched about that episode. Yes, it has been fun to talk about that with you and learn lots of different things. My next favorite episode is episode 34, which was titled Ahoy, We Sail the Sea of Books. <laughs> Which is really funny. Uh, and that was uh, Books for National Oceans Month. But I just, uh, that title still delights me. I think that was your idea. And it was uh, excellent. And I appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, Kim was doing show notes. And I texted her and said, can we <laughs> can we call it Ahoy, We Sail the Sea of Books? I just, you know, we've talked about that title a few times the last few days. And I, every single time, I am just very tickled by it. Yes, I agree. I agree. Oh my gosh. I I remember none of the books we talked about. <laughs> I I don't remember either, but uh the title of the episode is great. They were probably all great. Uh yeah, no. I also had Ahoy We Sail the Sea of Books on my list and oh, can we mm, Oh yeah, no, that is the next chronological one. Okay, yeah. episode 50. 50 books for 50 episodes where yes. we did rapid fire yes. book talk. And we were like, can we do it? And we did. I was very proud of us. Yes. I was delighted by that episode because it was totally off format. And we each picked 25 books that we just loved and wanted to like recommend and talked about them for like 30 seconds each, I'm pretty sure. And it was so fun. <laughs> it was really, really fun. And then I remember with episode 100, uh, we were like, could we do 100 <laughs> books? And then I was like, no, no, we no. can't. We would just literally be naming titles, and yeah. then that would be it. Yeah, there was like a hot second where we were like, 100 episodes, 100 books, and we were like, no, that's a that's a terrible idea, and we let that one go. So I'm glad we did that, because that would not have been a successful episode, I don't think. <laughs> so my next favorite episode was episode 53, titled Snake Math which was, it came out in March, I think on March 14th of that year. And I wanted to do books about math and you did not want to. And uh, (laughs) you wanted to do books about Ireland and I did not want to. And so you did books about Ireland and I did books about math. And that was that. I would like to point out that I chose Ireland because we were three days away from St. Patrick's Day. And St. Patrick chased the snakes out of Ireland. So snakes. Yes. And snake math. Yeah, we, if we were able to, (laughs) We were able to do more episodes than I would say, let's only do mashups, uh, just of weird topics that are not, in fact, related. Yes, I think that could be a, a future idea. <laughs> um, hold on. If we're, if we're sticking with chronological, I want you to do the next one. Yes. Okay. So the next one was episode 67, After the Final Rose, which is all about books related to the Bachelorette franchise. Well. Oh, I like that you called it the Bachelorette franchise. So Isn't that what it was? I mean, it was all Bachelorette books, I thought. It was the Bachelor franchise, but it could also be the Bachelorette franchise. 
Oh, I suppose, yeah, I guess it is the Bachelor franchise and the Bachelorette is a show of that. But yeah, whatever. It was all, which is a thing that you care about a lot and a thing that I do not care about at all, uh, which was also funny. <laughs> there, I follow so many of those contestants on Instagram and like keep up with their lives. There's so many people from Bachelor in Paradise last year whose relationship I am deeply invested in. No, I love them all. And after this you know, episode and the podcast ends, just know that I will continue loving the contestants of The Bachelor, <laughs> Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise. That is totally legit. Um, oh, let's talk about, I'm going to call it our historic episode. <laughs> it's enough. episode 70, YA nonfiction, aka nonfiction for exhausted adults. And it's the episode where in the middle of it, specifically 30 minutes in, uh, so I guess towards the end of it, actually, uh, we found out that um, Biden won the election, which had been a, a big delay because mm-hmm. from Tuesday to Saturday? I think we were recording like Saturday morning, yeah. So we're recording and you suddenly hear like whistles and yelling outside and like Kim could hear it on her end. And it was just like, oh, we're going to have to have like our editor cut it out. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to keep talking despite these people <laughs> shouting though, because they're not stopping. Kim, what's your what's your memory of this? Yeah, it was just, it was like, what is happening? And like, we got to just keep going. And it was just, it was so stressful, right? Because like Tuesday, we didn't know and we didn't know and we didn't know. And so it was just this whole like week of stress of after like four years of constant stress, after years of stress before that. And I just, it was just such a like feeling of relief to know. Yeah. And it's such a delight to be like talking about it with you and then just having to be like, all right, we're very happy, but now we have to continue talking about nonfiction for adults. Oh my gosh. No, that episode's <laughs> hilarious because, okay, so we first start hearing stuff at like 30 minutes in and then at like 35.30, that's when I had gotten a text from my wife saying, oh, the reason people are doing this is because Biden won. And so I like said, oh, this is what's going on. And I sound like I'm about to cry. And then I'm just like, because it's just, oh my gosh, just like mm-hmm. everything was horrible for four years. But mm-hmm. then I immediately have to segue into talking about a book about Lizzie Borden. <laughs> I forgot about that. So I find it very funny. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's a delight. That is a great, like, just memory of doing the podcast with you for sure. My next episode that I thought was really fun is episode 91, Library Treasure Hunt. So for this episode, what we did is we each went to our local library and just wandered around and then picked books off the shelves and then talked about them, which – I, I, I think we were sort of like struggling with themes a little bit and sort of trying to decide what to do. And this one just felt very just different and fun and like a fun adventure to go and like talk about the library and see what was there. So I really liked that one. That was so fun. I just I love going to the library and just seeing what's on the shelf and like mm-hmm. finding something new that way. That's how I found some like tiny little book uh, called Hunting the Highbrow by Leonard Wolf, Virginia Wolf's husband once. And it was like really funny. And yeah. I never would have heard of it if I hadn't just been like walking around the shelves. Yeah, I love that. So uh, consider this an endorsement for your local library. Yes, exactly. Um, Ooh, okay. And then the following episode, episode 92, was where we did our only interview of the entire podcast. And we interviewed (laughs) Mary Roach. Which just like bananas. Bananas. She's just, she's so just, uh, just fun and also has like great anecdotes and was so incredibly easy to talk to and so kind to us. Just some like starstruck podcasters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And oh gosh, she's just done such amazing work, like in the realm of nonfiction, just in general, and has nonfiction that people really want to read. I know that Mm -hmm. like a lot of people struggle with finding nonfiction. And I I think Mary Roach is a really easy go to to like recommend Mm -hmm. to people. Yeah, because she's funny. And she makes really complicated science things not complicated. And she's willing to sort of like go and be in places and be in stuff to like tell the story in the best way. And it's just it's so great. We got to ask her about like her use of footnotes, which I is both like the nerdiest possible question I think we could have asked and also the one that I was so excited to hear about because I love her use of footnotes. It was just it was it was really fun to do that. That's a really good one. Yeah. My next favorite episode, mostly because of the title, is episode 96, Fell in a Hole, a.k.a. True Stories Underground. (laughs) (laughs) 
Which um, this topic was a suggestion from my friend Aaron, and uh, I pitched it, and you were kind of like, I guess we could do that, and we did, and then I thought it was really delightful because it was so strange, Um, and we got a bunch, like, just a lot of different books about, like, construction and oceans and all sorts of different things uh, that I thought were were really fun. Was it already titled Fell in a Hole? Because that would have swayed me, like, for sure. I don't remember if I, if I – I probably pitched it as stories about things underground, and you were probably the one who was like, fell in a hole. <laughs> I don't know, though. Erin could have pitched it to me as fell I in a hole. I think she might have because that, that seems like almost too like off the wall even for me. <laughs> Maybe it did come straight from Erin as fell yeah, in a hole. I don't, I don't give, remember. I should, let's I'll, give kudos to Erin. Oh, my gosh. So good. Yeah, so good. That was a really fun one. Yeah, and then episode 100, I remember being really jazzed about that one. It was, we decided not to do 100 books uh, in the episode, which was good. And so we ended up just getting to do a more chatty episode. We talked about our like bookish origin stories, the bookish internet in the 2010s, which I am very nostalgic for all the time, some of our favorite kids' books and stuff like that. So I just, it was a nice, it was a nice break to just talk about other stuff besides nonfiction for one episode. And just do some chatting. Yeah, chat. Just some, just some chit chat. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. The last one then for me is episode 123, which was like two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nonfiction holiday gift guide. We got so many amazing asks and they mm-hmm. were so varied that we got to talk about. It was just, it was a really good illustration of the variety of nonfiction yeah. and like how much it can encompass and how many. Like, not just that, but, like, all of the books just sounded really fascinating. Like, I loved the ones you picked. It was great hearing about them. And just, yeah, I loved that one. Yeah, it was really fun. And a good excuse to talk about books that I think, like, we hadn't talked about in a long time or hadn't talked about before because the requests, like, kind of pulled us out of the themes that we had gotten into and stuff. So, yeah, I that was a really fun thing to do. And I, I love giving book recommendations. So it's always nice to be able to do that for people, like, actual people and not just, like, into the ether. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 125 episodes. Those are a few of our favorites. I don't know if there's anything else you want to you wanna add? This has just been uh, so wonderful to do this with you for almost five years. And I love you so much. Aww. And just thank you for being my, my buddy on all of this. Oh, thank you. Uh, same to you. You are one of the funniest people that I know. And it has been a, just such a joy to, to spend time with you doing this podcast together. We wanted to let you know that Book Riot, remind you that Book Riot has a lot of nonfiction coverage um, on the website and also through the True Story newsletter, which is being edited by Kendra Winchester, and it's really great. I love her recommendations. You can connect with us on social media. We love doing book recommendations and chatting about books, uh, and we will share any future projects that we're working on. when we embark on them, we'll share them on social media so you can find them there. Um, and we just, I think, want to thank you all so much for listening. It has just been a real delight and joy to host this podcast and to share books with all of you and to connect with you through emails and social media. And so I'm really, really, really grateful for that. Oh, that's a good that's a good point. Thank you for enjoying nonfiction with us. Yes. And if you would like to continue to connect with us in some form, um, I am mostly now on Instagram at it's Alice Time, and you can find Kim on social media at Kim the Dork. Our amazing audio editing for this episode was done by Jen Zink. Thank you, Jen. You are just the best. Uh, so with that, I am Kim Ukra. And I'm Alice Burton. And we thank you for listening to this final episode of the For Real Podcast. <laughs>